Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and I don't suck, and neither does the Piffles podcast, but anyone who plays the Riders, they suck. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Let's go, Rider Nation. I'm ready. I'm ready. Welcome into the Piffles Podcast, your Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Thanks for joining us here for episode 244. We're still going strong. We're Ish. still going. We're still going. <laughs> and that's all that matters. Uh, my name is Alex. I'm Steve. And I'm just glad to be here with ECW original Spike Dudley. Man, am I uh, so happy to be here. Before we started the show. Steve popped up on the on the screen, and Greg made a joke about ECW Spike Dudley. I got it right away. Steve had no idea what was going on. Nope, but I respect. We we, 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 we had to give him a quick crash course in the land of extreme, but well worth it. Well worth it. Whatever happened to TNN? Remember TNN or Spike Friday uh, Friday nights? Uh, roller jam, like roller jam, oh, slam roller ball, jam. and and ECW. ECW. They just and brought two- slam ball back. Yeah, do you know that? Like I did in the yeah. last year or so. It looks fantastic. Good stuff. Maybe we should do a slam ball podcast. Mm-hmm. Right, we might, we might respect way. the coaching more. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to be talking plenty of coaching this week here on the Pivots Podcast. Uh, welcome everybody listening on your favorite podcast platform. Of course, people watching on YouTube and to Sastel Max On Demand. Thank you very much. Uh, Pivots Podcast. You can give us a follow on Twitter or X at uh, Piffles Pod. You can give me a follow at Real Alex D. You can find me at Safamud. And as always, I do not need nor want your pity follows at Greg on Sports. And check us out on Facebook, uh, pifflespodcast.com. And of course, Piffles Podcast is brought to you by Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Oh boy, we have uh, we have some thoughts and we're going to get a lot of stuff off our chest here. Uh, let's get to the opening kickoff. <laughs> Keep your shirt on, Steve. Um, I know I said we'll get things off our chest. I didn't mean our shirts. Um, Herbs on. Ray Elgard's not here. (laughs) Let's have some fun. Uh, We should see what Ray's up to nowadays. Probably just having a blast in Vegas. All right. Riders lose yet again. Kind of to be expected. Um, Not the way we expected, though. 26-19. The record is 6-11. After after another six game losing streak, just the exact same that had happened last year, and they had their chance to clinch a playoff spot, win you're in, and they couldn't do it. They started out really really well. I was really impressed with the team in the first half. They came out with energy, they came out with emotion, and they came out with execution. The three E's that they preached. And then it all went away. But to start talking about the game, I do want to give the positives because there was a lot in the first half. I love the way the D-line played in the first half. 
I love Jamal Morrow running the ball. Um, Sean Bain, Sam Emelis both had strong first halves. Like everything was going right. Nick Marshall had his best game in, in how many months? Like it was, everything was there. And I was surprised by that. I thought they'd come out a little bit flat based on what we've seen over the last two months from this team, but they were anything but. And I was really impressed to start the game. What did you guys think of, of the start of the game? I, I mean, you can't really ask for a better start to the game. They came out flying. They got out to a quick two-score lead. Everything was going perfect. Our defense was playing absolutely lights out. And when they weren't, Calgary was dropping balls. It was a perfect recipe for success. And there there is a key moment you can look back on, and I don't want to get into the negatives yet, where everything started to turn, and it was on a baffling coaching decision. It just... It was going great. I don't think I've had that much faith in this team since Labor Day. Uh, yeah, they were rocking and rolling. I was expecting, okay, good. They clinched it. Seemed like they actually cared for a little bit this week. But yeah, we we might as well go right in the, right in the negatives because I know what you're talking about. It's that decision to give up the safety. Well, let's get in a, to in it. A, in, a, in a game where points are already at a premium giving them free points for field position at the end of the first half just is baffling. Like give them the three points anyway, because they knew they were going to get the field goal. So kick it and hope your defense who's been playing very, very well can hold them to a two and out. Well, and with the new rules with where you have to kick off from, you're kicking off from your own 20 or sorry, 25. Um, but either way, at, at, reasonably good return already puts them in field goal range with Renee Paredes. And that was with the wind. Um, so to give up the safety, just, I, I don't know why the worst case scenario, you punt it, you probably give up a field goal. And it was so deflating to the team. And Craig Dickinson in his post game talked about it. Uh, he said, it was a tough call for me at that point. I felt like they were going to take the ball. I didn't think that they'd make us kick off. So that part of it and the wind was really blowing at the time, like really blowing end quote. Um, he, he didn't think they'd make them kick off with a blowing wind in their face. This is, and this is a special teams guy too. You would think he would have that part figured out. There and, and this, this game just... really highlighted the difference between the two Dickinson brothers and their coaching. Dave, before going into half, basically said his team was unprofessional and they need to get better. If that was Craig, it, he probably would have said, "Well, we're, they're going to try hard. I love them. We're, we're doing our best." I love Dave Dickinson's halftime interview when he said that if these guys aren't performing, we'll find somebody who does. It'll be next man up because if you're not ready to go in a do or die game for the Stamps, we'll find somebody that will do and not die. And there's little or brother Craig just clapping on the sidelines. You know, everything's great. Everything's great. So they give up the five points. They end up uh, going up at the half 13 five. But that five points was just it was deflating and it really sucked the wind out of the team. And. They were being aggressive. We were back to aggressive coach Dickey. 
which was great. I love that at the beginning of the year. We haven't really seen it much lately. And I thought, okay, this is, this is good. This is where, you know, they're getting back to what made them successful earlier in the season. And even though the drive to start the second half, they took six minutes off the clock. They only got a field goal, but they got a field goal. And I thought things were going really, really well. That's a good way to respond to, okay, well, how are they going to hit that, you know, face that adversity? And they responded really well. And the defense kept up their end. It was the the fumble uh, by Mario Alford, who had an absolutely brutal game. I don't know what he was doing pregame, he how much popcorn he was eating. He could not track the ball, even like catching the ball. They pointed him the one Twice. time on the sidelines. And he was like, po- he was pointing to the lights or something. He he couldn't see the ball. And then fumbling it away, giving the stamps the ball on the 15-yard line, gifting them um, a touchdown, and then pick six from Cameron Judge uh, on an absolutely brutal throw by Jake Dolagala. We're going to talk about Jake uh, in a little bit. Um, but it was just everything just stumbled for the riders and it looked like okay here we go again and once calgary tied the game it's like okay if they don't if the riders don't come out and score right away it's over because they don't know how to face that adversity they don't know how to overcome that once something bad happens to the team everything bad happens to the team and again that's what happened this week and that's to me that's part of my frustration as a fan is that they just can't figure it out and even other teams that aren't that good in the league have kind of figured it out a little bit where they have, they, they can throw a punch back and there's nothing from the riders. You know, you can look back a couple of weeks ago and you saw what they, what happened against Ottawa. They gave up that, uh, that pick six and a fumble or an, a uh, field goal to close out the first half. And they fell apart from there. They had these two plays, two, Two bad plays, Alfred Fumble and Doligala's pass, and it flipped the team around. They just, they could not bounce back from that. And everybody and their dog knew that game was over. As soon as that ball hit Cameron Judge in the chest, we might as well have turned the game off and found other ways to entertain ourselves on Friday night because that game was done. This And that comes down again to coaching. These guys get in their heads and can't seem to get out of it. And that comes from the top. The thing that most mind blowing thing that I've realized over the last week or two is they've only have one win after September 1st in the last three seasons under Craig Dickinson. This team gets progressively worse as the year go uh, as the season gets longer. That is not how you want to run a football team. You're supposed to be getting better as you get to the playoffs. Like it, it just. Once the team, once the opponents figure out this team, they're done. And they, they, but basically by the midway point, everyone has the book on Craig Dickinson and his coaching and it's game over from there. What did you guys think of the onside punt uh, from Calgary's 34, uh, which would have been a 41 yard field goal. Instead, they do an onside punt. Uh, Now, granted that was against the wind, but a couple minutes prior to that, Ryan Meskel uh, subbing in for Brett Lothar, um, who had a hell of a game. He was drilling those kicks. Um, very good game from, uh, from Meskel. So it's nice to, to know that we have a kicking game without Lothar. Um, 
he just made a field goal from 39 a couple minutes prior, and now you're not letting him try from 41? Again, a baffling coaching decision to be. It almost worked out because Tevin Jones almost got the ball, but they still had another guy within uh, the five-yard, no-yards halo. So there was the penalty on that. So instead of pinning them deep, they ended up getting the ball at the 20-yard line. So it was a 14-yard uh, net, which at that point, you might as well have just gone for it on third and fourth. So I don't know. What what did you guys think of the onside punt? Was it was it a good call? Was like being was risky good there? No. I hate that call. I think that was it it took it told you that he has no faith in the guy who's who went four for four and did everything asked of him and then some. If that guy can't kick a forty one yard field goal into a wind, that's that's a concern. You need somebody with a leg there. And he showed he could do it with a kick two, three minutes before. I don't get it. I, again, have faith in your defense. They hadn't really let you down much all game. If you miss, make sure you get the return guy and your defense will pin him. But why not take the points or at least try to take the points? I think you should have took the points, but at the same time, I think that's where he should use his challenge because I really don't think that guy was within the five-yard halo. He was He was within. Yeah. But better than the other know, challenge kind of that obvious. he burnt it all up. Oh. <laughs> and that's coming up too. We'll talk about that. Like like that 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 one was you had a better chance of getting that one than what he actually ended up using it on. Like it's I yeah, it's just I don't know. He cannot he needs to be gone. He needs to be gone like eight weeks ago, and here we are again. One more game, guys. One more game. Um, the defense, fantastic. I'm not sure why Micah Tights is covering receivers, why he's dropping so far back. I don't know what Jason Shivers is thinking. Uh, he was the one that was covering, uh, I forget who it was, the guy who scored Calgary's touchdown. Um, that was that was Tights' guy. And too many times this year, I've seen Micah tights get absolutely just beat dirty by, by a receiver in a game where the defense was very good. They really only gave up a couple plays. Micah tights there on that touchdown. And also that big long bomb to uh, Luther Hakan of Um, other than that, the defense was fantastic. And that was the best game we've seen that defense play in a long, long time. The first time they did give up 35 points. Um, even before that, like we're going back to beginning of August against no. um, Ottawa was the last time that they didn't have a bad game, really. And it's just, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the answer is anymore with this team. It's It seems so easy to just say they need to play better, which everybody knows they do. Craig Dickinson saying it. How can that defense play any better than they did? They were gifted two touchdowns. And they're only two touchdowns that the Stamps got. And it's just, I like, I, I've, I've started to just lose words for how this team loses games now. 
I team play bad, me speak English good, give me money. Ooh, he, ooh, he card read good. It's, it, and you can tell with the apathy in the fan base right now. It's, it, the season is a lost season. We still technically in the playoffs, but no one cares because this team is hard to cheer for right now because it's just one questionable decision after another, whether it be a player taking a stupid penalty when they shouldn't, whether it be Dickey being aggressive when he shouldn't be or not being aggressive when he should be. The defense having Micah tights on receive on covering receiver when that's not the type of player he is. It's, it's the little things that are just adding up that are just, punching this franchise uh, these fan this fan base in the face constantly and i don't know what is going to be to turn it around we kind of talked about it last week with the season tickets come out and now they've clarified what's actually going on with that tickets are still going up regardless there's still people that are not going to be renewing their season tickets after the last couple of seasons now that the mvp thing is gone so I do, and these are these people are diehards. Like you, we hear from like the fans that we've since we started this podcast that have been rocking and rolling with this team even through some really thin years, and it's just something about this team has just got everybody just completely demoralized. And it's, I don't know how you turn that around. It's because it's felt like this team has had potential for the last you know couple of years. They've had the 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 horses in the race. They just don't have the jockey leading them. And it, it all comes down to the guy at the top and people have had enough. And it's sad if you really look at it to think that the worst thing to happen to the team this season was that win against BC. Because I really do believe if we win that game or if we lose that game, there's a good chance that we're sitting there slapped with a an interim head coach. There was just that sense that he was on his last ropes and the team balled out for those two weeks. And then we gave him the game ball. Jo gave him a game ball. Yep. And it's been nothing ever since. And it's just heartbreaking to think what all we needed was one win in the last two months, and we could be looking (laughs) ahead to the playoffs right now. And instead, there's a legitimate chance that the once four and eleven Calgary Stampeders are going to make the playoffs because that team cannot miss the damn playoffs. We danced on their grave a few weeks too early. And I'm still going to keep dancing on it because they're finishing no under 500. No regrets. <laughs> just, just this, the apathy they're still is not it's, make it's, playoffs. It, it's sad. What else do you say? Yeah. Um, the good news is, though, our a, head coach probably has several ideas to get them motivated. So, oh, yeah. That's, we're, we'll talk about that too. Um, it's a culture change is is the answer. That's what needs to change. Um, and we're, <laughs> we'll talk about that probably over the next couple of weeks as well, too. Um, the end of the game, though, Jake Dolagala not throwing the ball. on th- Even before that last third down, the other plays on that drive, the third downs, uh, even the drive before, they need six yards. They throw it two yards. Um even the the 
third downs that they converted were short passes that relied on a player breaking a tackle to get a first down. It was a third and six, and they still throw up four yards and have to get yards after catch. Kelly Jeffrey, I don't know if, like, is this a Kelly Jeffrey thing, him calling these designs? Is it Jake Dolagala just not reading a defense properly? Because we've seen that plenty lately where he locks into a receiver and, and can't make a second read. Um, like, what's what's the issue there? I mean, we saw this team was successful. This team was successful when Jake, when they gave Jake an open playbook and a chance to throw the ball deep. And then for some reason got away from it and forced him into this game management style offense. And it doesn't feel like he's that kind of guy. He's not Trevor Harris. He's not the guy that's going to march you up and down the field. But you let him uncork a few and he's got playmakers to make it happen. Those playmakers don't have a chance on a three-yard out. It's just, it's code. It has to be Kelly Jeffrey. They they've clearly forced this style of game on this offense, despite it not working, and it clearly not working for the better part of two months. Some of this team's best plays this year were balls that the all the fans were going, "Oh no." And he threw up and like Emless stealing it or Bane, like basically playing pinball and taking it to the house. Yep. Like some of, some of the team's best plays are just Dolagala throwing it up and praying one of his playmakers comes down with it. And that right there did not happen on the final offensive play third down. And you take a sack. That's just so brutal from a quarterback a third-year pro should know better. A first-year pro should know better. In that situation, even if you're getting sacked, if you're going down, throw the ball up in the air. Maybe you get a pass interference penalty, which you could actually challenge at that point uh, if there was a pass to challenge interference on, which uh, probably should have been a delay of game against the Riders for challenging that because there was not a pass thrown therefore pass interference it would be illegal illegal contact which you can't challenge now um that whole that was just a debacle and that brings me again to jake dolagala and i wrote about it on uh on monday we've seen the regression from jake dolagala now since those game those big games that he was having now he's just he can't dink and dunk the offense. That's not his style, but that's what they're forcing to do, and he can't do it. Everyone was talking about how he's the next guy. Is he? Or is he just another guy? Because I think he has the potential to be that next guy with proper coaching, with a pro-level coach, offensive coordinator, not a very, very average college offensive coordinator, which is what Kelly Jeffrey was. With a quarterback's coach, he would get a lot of help. I'm not sure what pointers Drew Tate or yeah, Drew Tate's giving him in the in the locker room, but clearly that's not working. So what do you guys think? Is he can he still be the next guy or is he just another guy? I don't know if he's Arbuckle or Mayor or I don't know. I like I, I don't know who he is. 
it's hard. Like he he throws a very good deep ball, but his he's got a great fastball, but his changeups are, are always scary to watch him throw. <laughs> like You've like been I watching like, too I, much I, baseball playoffs. Well, I, I've already called him. He's 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 the white Michael Bishop. Sometimes he has a hell of an arm, but those short throws are are scary because they're either butterfly balls or he pitches it really hard and the guy can't hang on to it. And that's how you get tip balls and interceptions. I I don't know what he is because he's showing flashes, but was that because no one had uh, tape on him or is he just getting progressively worse as, as this team seems to be getting as we get closer and closer into into the fall? You look at his at his play. He's got all the intangibles to be that next guy. He's got the size. He's got the arm. the The coaching is what he needs. He needs somebody to teach him how to look from read to read because he does get locked in on a guy. But I have a hard time knocking a guy who has been clearly put into a box that he's not comfortable with. The way that this offense has forced him into being that short yardage QB, you don't throw a cannon like that and play a short style offense. It's just not going to work. Like Greg said, it's going to force a lot of tips. It's going to be a lot of picks and it's not his style. I think he's got the potential. I think they need to bring in a proper offensive team behind him. And I'd love to give him another year. You don't throw away a six foot seven quarterback with a cannon for an arm, unless you know, he is not game ready. And he's shown flashes that he can't be. The, the good news is, though, we still have Trevor Harris under contract. So chances are Harris is go- is back next year regardless. But do you let Jake walk? He's a free agent this year. Um, that, I mean, depends on who your GM is and who your coach is. Right? Like, I mean, if it's O'Day as the GM, he probably wants to keep his guy. But does a new coach come in and doesn't even want Trevor Harris and lives one year with Trevor Harris before his guy comes in or whatever the case is like that. To, that's going to be a really interesting off season thing is because to me right now, just by looking at the roster, yes, you bring Trevor Harris back as your one. I think you bring Jake back as your two, but you have to have dedicated coaches for him. You need to have a quarterback's coach. You need to have an offensive mind that knows how to bring out a quarterback, right? Like, but if your new head coach, whoever it is, sees all the film and, and looks at Dola Gala and says, you know what, I've, I've figured this guy out after him starting five games, you don't think defensive ha- defenses has a, have as well and wants to move on. So, I mean, I think just because you want the experience on your team, I think you have to bring them back. But it's going to be really curious to me to see what any kind of new coaches uh, want to do with this roster. So, um, well, riders lose 26, 19 and, and then the post game happened. Um, actually, you know what? Here comes I, the rage. Okay. So, <laughs> well, they lose the game and I just thought once watching that game, I just kind of laughed to myself. I said, you know what? Of course, of course they would because the CFL scripted. It's a work. It's it's pro football. Everybody says it's, the NFL. It's all a work, script. baby. 
pro football has is a work as well. It's just like pro wrestling because the league doesn't want everything to be decided with two weeks left to play. How do you hype up two weeks of nothing games going into the playoffs? You have people tune out because they already know what the semifinals are going to be and where they are. There's no like there's literally nothing to look forward to in these two final weeks. Right. So I just kind of laughed. I'm like, this would be a good pro wrestling angle. Like, of course, it's going to come down to the very last week. It's going to. Yeah, but this is like Gilbert versus Brooklyn <laughs> Brawler. Like, neither team needs to be in the playoffs right now. I've seen people pitch a Winnipeg versus uh, BC Lions best of two games. And honestly, I'm that not was you. That. You did that last week. That was you. You haven't no, seen anybody was... else do that. It was just you. Actually, no, I, I go back to the film. I know I didn't suggest that. Just many people both. are saying I'm just, just both many people are saying, yeah, just, just give me one game at the end of the year of those two. Um, okay. So I made the mistake of, uh, waking up on Saturday. Well, I mean, it was a good thing. I woke up at Saturday morning, but I made the mistake while having my morning coffee and I saw someone commented about bowling and I was like, what? Um, yeah, Craig Dickinson said he was going to take the guys bowling. Okay, this came from his post-game comments. So I decided, okay, I had the day off. I'm going to sit down, enjoy my cup of coffee, and I'm going to have uh, a listen to his post-game. And that was eight minutes of my life that I went from having a very good morning to being irrationally or irrationally, I'm not sure which it is, angry. I don't know. I enjoyed I enjoyed the DMs that Steve and I were getting in our WhatsApp chat. <laughs> there there were some uh some not safe for work words that I was throwing at you guys listening to Craig Dickinson. And these come in order too. And these like I have a page of these mm-hmm. direct quotes um about Craig Dickinson post game and and looking forward to this upcoming week. First one. It's going to be a tricky scenario to get them motivated. He should have been fired on the spot for that coming out of his mouth. That is your job as the head coach. No, it's not the coach's job to keep them motivated. Greg Marshall told us this in 2011. We know this, Greg. Okay. I, like, I, like I pointed out on the greencast, I, I've completely mementoed the 2011 season. I know I traded. I, I was a giant trader, but I've that completely was a, mementoed the... I like that. The 2011 season, I do not recall it. There's like tattoos on my back reminding me of it. That's it. I forget that season existed. Yeah, it's going to be a tricky scenario to get them motivated. You you can't motivate them for a playoff game? An extra week's pay? Like, what? And if I'm a... I'm mad listening to that as a fan. How do you think the players are taking it? Like this guy clearly I mean, can't read the room. He has no idea. Well, he doesn't he's go in the room. Calling remember? them out without realizing he's calling them out. Yeah. Um, we're gonna focus on enjoying being together another week together. Well, then they have the bye week, obviously, in the last week. They're gonna enjoy being together this week. They're gonna have fun. Gosh darn it! And uh, and they did. Um. Because they, uh, when asked, what are they going to do to get their minds off the loss and, and, you know, just refresh themselves? 
we're going to go bowling. We're going to do something fun, something that brings us together, a chance to hang out and enjoy each other's company. And they did go bowling. They went bowling on Sunday. I hope they had a good time. Bowling, it sounded bowling, like they did. Bowling, 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 bowling. <laughs> Steve might have a, a song to sing later on about bowling. <laughs> um, a Limp Bizkit song about bowling. Um, you're after 17 games. You're in a tailspin again. And he said he didn't know what the identity is of this team with Jake Dolagala as the quarterback. Well, you've had 20 weeks already plus training camp with Jake on this team. You know who Jake is. You've had him for three seasons here. And you, even with all the games that he started this year, you don't know the identity of the team with him. Bad. Like the identity is bad. Like, and and to, to rectify things, we're going to go bowling. We're going to have fun. Now, I do agree that getting a team outside of football is important. Having them do whatever as a team is good. The bonding experience, the building that that happens, I agree. This late in the season, your focus should be on the playoffs. Your focus should be on winning one friggin' game because that's all you needed to do in the last two months was win one GD game. The most animated I've seen Alex in years. We're going to go friggin' bowling. I saw a good comment today. I said, how did you think the Americans uh, translated into the five pin game? I laughed at that. That was funny to me. Um, immediately. I thought of Pete Weber. For those that don't know, Pete Weber is the greatest bowler of all time. Who do you think you are? I am. I am. My birthday is actually the same as Pete Weber's, so we're we're like this. We're 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 tight together. Don't so. you have his Does autograph you know somewhere? I do have his autograph, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I'll bring it out for you guys one day. It's hilarious. Um, but like, so they went glow bowling at the Golden Mile. Uh, it was time well spent, um, and the timing of it. Um, Craig Dickinson said it just happened to fall when it fell like that's when it was but the way that he <laughs> said it in the post game was I gotta ask Craig Reynolds and O'Day permission if we can go which okay so it's not in the budget so you're taking our hard earned money as ticket payers and you're taking them bowling when this is something you should be doing in training camp to get guys to know each other better. We're early in the year. Like I get it. You still have to do things later in the season as well, just to keep building that team, but morale up. Yeah. Like, like I, I get it. That is a thing, but, <laughs> but this late in the year when you're losing as bad as you are, just <laughs> Steve Vetter on Twitter said, um, as a pro player, I, I would think this is a bit of a slap in the face. This isn't Tykes hockey where you plan a year end party, regardless of how good or bad the team did. It's like having your workplace falling apart, everyone pissed off and management throwing a pizza party for morale. And that's exactly what it was. Cause they did have pizza. Um, all, all, all I can, all I can picture now is Dickie, like Holt having that party. I mandated there be fun. Because this is like, why? 
like I, I get it. You're you're not wrong. Like there has there should be team bonding during the season. You do things so it's not always football, football, football. Get guys on a more personal level. But the way he kind of just he threw this out in the presser and then they actually did it, and it's just it's so it's so high school on a pro level. It's so dicky. It's so dicky. When when you look back at the outrage from the fans, especially over the last couple of weeks with the whole season ticket price up, you know, going up and this team just crapping the bed week after week. I don't care if they went bowling. This is just something they should have kept in house to bring it up in a, in a post game interview, knowing full well, everybody's going to read their hear about this. The only thing I, and if it was any other head coach, I would say maybe he's trying to get some of that attention off the team and back onto himself. But I don't think Craig Dickinson is smart enough to do that. I think he just thought this was the right thing to say. And, and went with it. But I don't care if the team does team building things. You got to do it. Two months ago. Three months ago. Get in the film room. Get in the weight room. Get back in the film room. Stay in there. Have a sleepover in there for all I care. You want to have your team building, bring your pajamas, a bunch of tents, and you know sleep in the film room. But to just... I never thought I'd get more and more annoyed as we went along with the things that, that Dickinson kept saying. And he keeps, he keeps going above and beyond on the, on the level of dumb things that come out of his mouth as a head coach of a football team. And it's almost, I almost admire it for just how bad it's gotten. Remember at the beginning of the season when I thought they got Dickinson, like some media training, I think I was not right on that one because <laughs> he has been getting worse and worse and more ridiculous with all these comments. Like, um, on the plus side, apparently Logan Ferland hit two thirty. Uh, he had the best score. That that's your Regina Thunder uh, multi-sport athlete right there. Yeah. Um. What else did I have? That he had. Um, oh, another good post game one. I will look at the film closely and ask all the coaches to do the same and promise the players we're going to try to put them in the best possible spots for them to succeed. That's your job, Craig. Literally your job. And you're going to ask the coaches, hey guys, could you please watch the film? No, you tell them, go watch the film. And Jason Shivers, put them in best possible spots. Do not put Micah tights on receivers. Yet you constantly do that, and teams are picking on them. Like I, I and I'm, I'm not trying to cast aspersion on the writers' coaches. I'm sure they work very hard. Do you say that you're going to ask your coaches to watch film? Also, should be a slap in the face to those coaches. Because I know for a fact that Regina Thunder, after the game is over, especially the home games. The coaches go back to the clubhouse and they're already watching film after the game to prepare for the next week. So if you're going out there going, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to ask me to watch film, you know, it's not, it, it may be something we might think about doing. Like, what are you doing? Of course they're watching film. They better be watching film. They are paid to coach this team. That is their job. 
to understand what their coaches do and what the other team is doing. They better be watching film the first minute they get a chance to. Or they're not going to be a coach that long. Well, it's funny you say that because I don't think they're going to be coaches for very long. Yeah, in a couple of weeks or uh, we'll see what happens. Um, and the last one I want to bring up here, because I know we got to move on to some other things. Um, and this might have been my favorite one. Daryl Davis. Um, and I love Daryl Davis asking Craig Dickinson the question. What's the difference in this team from the beginning of the season to right now? And there was five seconds of silence. The silence Dickie, tells you everything. He had to think about it because he did not have an immediate answer. We lost our starting quarterback, so we're still trying to find an identity with Jake. And I think we're still figuring out what that looks like. Okay, well, we've already talked about that. I think we're still trying to figure out what we do best. Okay, well, I'm Sucky. not sure they really do anything best, but okay. Losing. I think teams have good... I think teams have done a good job of studying us and making us go to plan B and plan C. And I think at times we've done a good job of that, but at times we haven't. Plan B and plan C are just plan A wearing a hat. That's the only difference because they oh, make no changes. Oh, look, the plans are in a new hat. Yeah, but it yeah. has a new hat. Yeah. Steve does not like the Simpsons <laughs> references here. I do, I do. I like that one. That was a whole lot of word salad that just didn't give any real answer other than other coaches are better than ours. That is the only thing I got from that. Other teams are studying us and they're figuring us out. Well, yeah, it's not difficult. This might be the simplest offense I've ever seen to figure out. If I can call a play ahead of time, you have problems. And but it's, to think it's, a defensive coordinator from a professional football team can't do that? This team is so stuck in its way, and that's why if you look, the second half of every game goes horribly for us because other teams, and we've harped on this for weeks, other teams make halftime adjustments, and the riders just kind of twiddle their thumbs and go, eh, what we're doing is working. We'll, we'll keep at her. It's not even the adjustments. Like I said, look, look at the difference between Dave and Craig. Like, Dave didn't blow a challenge. He just called a timeout, waiting for the eye in the sky to make the uh, make the correct call on the field. Brilliant, brilliant, Bril brilliant move. I hated it. Yep. I I think that's a joke. I think that's a loophole that the CFL needs to close. They already closed Dave's fishing uh, for uh, uh, pass um, interference. So let's close that loophole too, because that's that was garbage. I hated every minute because he even told him what he was doing. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, calling timeout just to wait to, for them to get the call. Right. Like, I think once you've like, called the timeout, you should not be able to benefit from anything from the eye in the sky. If you call that timeout, that's on you. Now, if uh, the riders were to call a timeout there, I'd be fine with the eye in the sky going, uh, actually, you know, anyways, Maybe uh, I'm also bitter after that injury timeout allowed them to check every block on a punt return. <laughs> uh, to finish off that that quote, it's a long season. The team changes from the first game to the 17th game. I think our team has had its share of turnovers. I wouldn't say we've had more injuries than anyone else, but we're still trying to figure out our identity in some ways. And it's unfortunate because the guys played their tails off. God, the 
guys just played so hard. I feel like that sort of effort tonight was a winning effort. That was winning effort. You guys losing that game. That was winning effort. Uh, we just made a few mistakes at the worst possible times and they went the other way on us. He's not wrong on that. Like they, they the had every chance effort. to win the game. The yeah. And they, effort. and they, two very bad turnovers cost them the game. He, he's not wrong on that aspect, but he also didn't put the team in a very good position to win either. Yeah, it's basically it. He's he's not entirely wrong, but it's because it's his own fault. Mistakes that he makes as a as a head coach that puts him in tough positions. The mistakes that Jeffries makes that puts them in tough positions. The team actually played relatively well and were probably the better team on the field over the course of that 60-minute game. Scoreboard obviously di disagrees, and that's what matters at the end, but I think they were for the first time in God knows how long, the better team on the field. Calgary was awful. awful. Calgary's a bad team, you man. Were. Calgary well, is so bad this year, and they still might make the playoffs. No team should be losing to the Calgary Stampeders right now. Like, that. that's... The way that the receivers were dropping balls, like, oh my God. Like, Mayer actually didn't look terrible if he would have got some help from his receivers they probably would have scored a couple more times, but they had guys dropping stuff left and right. I think there's uh, what four in the first half alone um, drops from the Calgary receivers. Like that's, I know they were trying to make the excuse that, well, Reggie Begleton's not there. Yeah. Well, Reggie Begleton's not the one dropping balls right now. So that has nothing to do with Reggie Begleton not being there. That has everything to do with their current players sucking. Um, and they still managed to find a way to win. Just, well, that's the difference between the two teams. They found a way to win. We constantly find ways to lose. Free space we'll on the bingo it. card. Oh, no. Oh. They are. Yeah, I know. Well, look at the New... look at the bottom three teams. How many of their losses or their wins are against us? Two for Calgary, one for Edmonton, one for Ottawa. That's four of the 14 wins that those teams have. New and creative wins. ways to disappoint me. That is what the riders are right now. <laughs> they find new ways to absolutely find ways to make me angry. See, but that's just it. I'm not, I'm not angry. I'm not mad anymore. I'm like a, I'm like that proverbial dad. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. And that's, that's where it is now. I just, we, we expected so much better at the beginning of the season and to, to be where they are now, especially when one win over the last two months would have been enough. They could have fumbled their way into the playoffs. I mean, they still might back their way in still in the might. worst possible way. Could you imagine seven straight losses, a 6-12 and 12 football team finding their way into the playoffs and then winning Riddle. the Grey Cup? Would there be Stop anything it. more CFL no. than that? And then Craig Dickinson getting a lifetime extension in Stop in, uh, in Ryderville. Stop. Stop. Nope. Uh, Steve, don't even, also for the don't even joke that into existence, Steve. <laughs> and Steve, to your comment about being a dad and being disappointed, I can tell you, as a father of a preteen, you can be both. You can be <laughs> angry and disappointed. <laughs> yep. 
Uh, opening kickoff presented by Kathy Feshton of Royal Regina, Regina Realty. Royal, Royal LePage Regina Realty. I think after all these years, I get that right. Kathy Feshton of Royal LePage Regina Realty. Uh, now to the Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. And um, we've been talking about um, management at the top. We're not going to get to this. Is, this is a next week discussion during the bye week. But I've finally come around to it, guys. Everybody needs to go. Craig Reynolds, Jeremy O'Day. I was on board with keeping Jeremy O'Day for next year. The camera shot at the end of the game where they showed Jeremy O'Day and Craig Reynolds in the suite and both of them just had that pathetic look on their face no emotion whatsoever and didn't even say a word to each other they were just sitting there just like i would be pissed i'd be throwing stuff around i would be screaming i would be telling him you're going down to that coach and you're telling him right now to whatever do whatever and nothing Nothing, not one ounce of emotion. These guys don't give a crap. And to me, that's the biggest piss off. That's the biggest thing that bugs me the most is there is no give a crap on this team. And fire them all. Don't bring anyone back. The whole culture needs to change. And I wrote about it. Yeah, Craig Reynolds could still probably do some accounting or something in the in the boardroom and, and whatever to help the team make money. He cannot be the face of this franchise anymore. Just cannot be. The board of directors have to push him on that. Or, and he can, he can resign and take a demotion somewhere else with the team. That's fine with me. But he cannot be president and CEO anymore. Jeremy O'Day cannot be GM anymore. Craig Dickinson cannot be head coach anymore. Those guys all need to go. All the coaching staff gone. Get rid of them all. Start fresh. And it's going to take a couple of years to build a culture, but the culture here sucks. And it yeah. has to change now. I I think you're going to get one for three in your request. I just don't I don't see a situation where O'Day and, and Reynolds are gone. O'Day put I think he put enough talent together that a proper coach could have done substantially better than what we're seeing now. But he's the now, one who wanted this. He wanted yeah. this result from this coach. He picked the coach again for this year. Because you can change but that it, every single year if you want to as the GM. I wonder how much of, this is what of he that wanted. was... I wonder how much of that was O'Day and how much of that came from upstairs. Because with that, the coach's salary cap, I have a feeling that they were basically told, you can't do nothing. Wipe your hands. This Probably. is what we got for one year. And that, that to me is why, if that's the case, Craig Reynolds should go, without question. Because this, it was clear to everybody that this team needed change last year. And as the richest franchise in the CFL, well, on the field anyways, not so much in the bank account, but, you know, they, they should have been able to make that decision and take the consequences that went with it. Instead, we got saddled with the same team, and we expected different. And I don't know why, because it was the same group and largely the same players. And fool me once, shame on shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Right? You go into next year if this is the same leadership group, even if it's even if Dickie's gone and it's still O'Day and Reynolds, I'm going into next season with an entirely different attitude, and it's not going to be the homer of of years gone by. They just have no faith in that group but I can see why they might stay. 
I think you're going to be lucky. You, you aren't getting all three. You might get two, but I think you're only going to get one. Um, I I don't. I, I think O'Day gets a second head coach. This team, despite its obvious ticket problems, is still making money. I, should, I don't see how they move on. Should O'Day get a second coach? Brendan Tamman didn't, and he brought a great cup here. <sighs> but in fairness, did Brendan Tamman have any say over his original coach? Because O'Day had none. O'Day had no choice on who was leading this team after Craig jo- after Chris Jones left. Yeah, he got hands And then after there, 2019, sure, but... you look back to 2019, I don't think there was anybody that was upset at the extensions that went no. out to Dickinson. We we were Well, you had to do it then. A, a field goal post away from a great cup. Right? Yeah. Like and that team was on the way up. Like I said, but the then... worst thing that ever happened this team was 2019. It was lightning in a yeah. bottle, but it was a complete mirage. Yeah. We thought we had a now. For, we thought we had a franchise quarterback. We thought we had the next good head coach. And we we got fool's gold. But I I think and I, I, I wasn't a fan of firing Tamin. I really wasn't. I thought he was going to get another head coach. I think you need to allow a GM two head coaches because at that point it's not you can blame coaching for so long. After two coaches, you should be at that point. It is a personnel issue. So I, th- I think O'Day's here. I think he needs help, but it's obviously his scouting, especially Canadian talent, is really well, is really good. Yeah, I do think there's a lot of pieces that are that are very good on this team. Again, it's just they're put in horrible positions. Uh, we'll be talking plenty about Riders upper management and potential new coaches throughout the off season. So we'll leave it there for now. Uh, Want to get to the, uh, to the ticket issue uh, that came up last week with ticket prices going up 20%. Now it's all kind of gotten figured out. The invoices, if you're a season ticket holder are now gone from your account. They're not there anymore. There was an email sent out. Uh, hopefully everybody got theirs. Um, and it did say that, okay, well you did get a free game in 2023 as part of the MVP plan. Um, so that game obviously gets added back on to your 2024 invoice. So 10 games and there was no playoff credit, which there will be eventually uh, in your account for that. It was all just a jumbled mess. And, and even we got a, a little bit ahead of ourselves um, about a 20% increase. It turns out to be just a 2% increase, um, but it was just the timing, the way that it was out and it just optics of it looks so bad. Um, but there is a new three-year MVP plan, um, available to lock in pricing for the next three years. Obviously it'll be at the increased price, but, um, still nonetheless, um, I, I want to give a, I want to give a shout out to the ticket office and it's on the same, uh, wavelength. They actually reached out to me on. I want to say it was Thursday or Friday last week and said, you know, we've seen that you've put some stuff out there that you talked about this 20%. And they, they mentioned the, the podcast in that, in that call. And they said, we just want to clear the air. And the, and I think her name was Tia with the ticket office, spent a good five minutes with me going over where the changes were, 
why they were so much more than they were last year and everything that went along with it. And I, I've never had that from the ticket office before. I, I look to other franchises and a lot of people have account managers. Like they have specific people that they deal with year after year. We don't have that here. So we've never really had that, you know, person to, to deal with for these types of situations. And I just want to, I hope this is a sign of things to come because I, I really respected that call and that explanation. And the, what I can only assume is a lot of phone calls they were making to, you know, backtrack on what was probably not the best week for them. Cause that we weren't the only ones I heard of other people that got similar calls yeah. because of social media comments. So and the ticket goes to them. I will say the ticket office has some absolutely wonderful people there. Tia, you mentioned Jen, the manager uh, is fantastic. Cindy, who everybody knows as a uh, rider charm. Um, she's an absolutely, yeah. Uh, she's a, she's an absolutely wonderful human being. Um, great friend. And uh, she's, she's there. And I know they have some really good people there um, who were taking a brunt of frustration Um and I mean, they don't set prices. They just work there. Right. So, um, and I know talking to somebody at the, uh, at the, at the rider store, um, I know one of the managers, managers there and she said that it's tough going into work right now because people aren't buying things. They're obviously mad. They're not spending money, which makes sense given the, the losing streak, but they're taking it out on the retail employees and that's not right. Mm. Um, so working there right now must not be fun. Um, but just because you're a shareholder, that doesn't mean you get to call up Craig Reynolds whenever you want. So, um, Oh, if it did, if it, did. <laughs> um, on the so side, he'd have a whole exactly new job. <laughs> he'd have that whole new job that we're hoping he would get, you know, that step down that demotion. He could just be the, the shareholder receptionist. Yeah. There we, go. we We all get our weekly phone call. That's right. Okay. Yeah, those shares don't get you what you think they do. Um, they get a nice painting on the wall. <laughs> um, but we'll give them. Uh, they'll they'll send out invoices again. I think they said by the end of the month, the twenty fourth or twenty fifth. I think they said that they were going to have invoices out, and yeah. it'll be completely detailed, and everything will be in there. So I think if they just let it get out too soon, somebody hit the wrong button, and and it went out, and people just happened to notice, and it just snowballed from there. So um, now that we have, you know, pretty much all the facts here, it's, it doesn't seem so bad. And a 2% increase over 2019. I mean, you can't really be too upset about that. So that all I know is two games of bowling. And all I know is one of our seven listeners is obviously in the rider office. Well, and, and (laughs) what Steve didn't say was that Tia said, because of our podcast and, and the reach we have when Steve, Steve, when you told us that, I laughed because I was like, oh, come on. Like six of our listeners or three of them are, are us. Um, <laughs> and then there's four other ones. So if that's still reach. She did not spe- specify it was yeah. a large reach. It was a reach. So that one, this is co- one phone call got at least seven people the information. There we go. Just maximizing your time. That's right. Um, jumping away from the CFL for a minute here. Um, Greg, I see you're wearing your Regina Thunder hoodie right now. Uh, okay. okay, tense game between the Thunder and Huskies in the that uh, was too close for comfort. It was semifinal wild. last week. It was definitely the opposite of the Hilltops and 
Would they beat Calgary? Laid the boost to Calgary. What was it, 52 to 2 or something like that? 53 to 2. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, that... And it wasn't even offensive points, it was a safety. Yeah, that, I mean. <coughs> Sarge, what, you coward. What, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to compliment him uh, on what he does <laughs> over there in Saskatoon with the toppers. But yeah, okay, call him a coward. I, I, won't, I won't give him that. <laughs> um, but we uh, we got the final coming up this uh, this upcoming weekend that we all expected to see. Uh, yeah. Regina Thunder, Saskatoon Hilltops. It'll be in Saskatoon in the PFC final. Um, the winner of this game is actually going to host the, I think it's the OFC. Yeah, it's UFC. The because the Canadian Bowl's out in the uh, uh, BC this year, so yeah. So that'll so be the, the two conferences that don't host back. the can- can- Canadian Bowl play in the uh, playoffs. So, Greg, Thunder, and Hilltops, uh, always great when these two teams get together because there's always really good games. Chippy, give it to us on <laughs> this one. Chippy. How how close is this one going to be? I'm I'm. Hoping it's going to be as close as the last game in Saskatoon. The game in Regina, Hilltops got out to an early lead. Thunder made a game of it, but it wasn't close in the end. The game in Saskatoon, much closer, lower scoring game, really good defensive battle. Uh, Hilltops won by two points, I believe, off the top of my head. It was less than a field goal, around a field goal. So I, I think it's going to be one of those smash mouth games uh, Saskatoon's got a great run, running game with Boston Davidson there. Uh, R- Thunder with uh, Rylan Likert, also very good running game. Uh, Saskatoon's qu- uh, quarterback got uh, dinged up in the um, game again, uh, last game of the se- regular season against the Rifles, so he didn't play the Calgary game. So I don't know if yeah, he's going to be ready for this game. So it's it's going to be interesting. There was their backup that put it up fifty three to two. Yeah, uh, that's thing, a thing sign of things under- to come for this Saturday's game when Toronto's backups are here. The thing you need to realize about the PFC, it's usually Thunder and Hilltops, maybe the Huskies, maybe the Rifles, and then Calgary and uh, the Wildcats are usually not that good. Uh, so, Cavis Reed is still coaching with the uh, with the Huskies, he is not. right? He is not. Cavis nope. nope. Cavis uh. Reed is now working in Saskatchewan. Remember, I texted you when he came into my office. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, I hope I, I I still stand by. I hope he doesn't Google Piffles and his name and me and things. <laughs> me and him uh, email all the time now, and I don't think he, he hasn't found it yet. You so. guys go back years, <laughs> and he doesn't even know that. Um, no, he doesn't. No, um, but Thunder Hilltops will be another excellent game. I'm looking forward to this. Um, One o'clock in Saskatoon. I- at yeah. uh, SMF Field, so formerly known as Gordy Howell. If you're in, if you're in uh, Saskatoon, or if you want to make the trip, uh, should be pretty decent weather too. It's supposed to be nice the whole rest of the week, I think. So should be a beautiful weekend, and that's a it's a decent uh, facility for football. I am yeah. obviously partial liable, but uh, SMF Field's really nice too. And of course, uh, being here in Regina, we're a little bit more partial to the Regina Thunder, but uh, you know we'll back whoever uh, wins this in the well. I, mean, I won't. I'm sure, sure Steve and I will. I don't know. Greg, yeah. Regardless, I, I, I I'm don't sorry. care. I'm, I'm anti-Saskatoon until I die. I don't care who they're playing, what team it is, what league oh, you, it you is. Guys will do it. I, I know a few old guys on the board that are exactly like you then. So. Yeah. The only good team in Saskatoon is okay, the Well, the listeners aren't too terribly partial. They'll back whoever wins in, Sask- or in, in this game. 
Um, all right. Well, the other football game this uh, this weekend, Riders Argos, Saturday at two o'clock. Um, what's your vibe going into this game, Greg? You mentioned that fans are you know apathetic, don't care. Do you guys care? Like I've I've kind of stopped. I'll be honest, the last Hamilton or the last home game against Hamilton, I stopped paying attention. Um, this game against Calgary obviously was a lot closer than the Hamilton game, so I was more engaged in that, but at the same time, it was just like well, whatever, I kind of expect them to lose. What's what are you guys feeling as a fan this week? It's almost over. I, I, I don't feel anything. I'm just it's like, oh, there's a football game this weekend. Like, it's not that I don't care. It's just, I'm just not, like, either, I need to know if this team's going to make the make the playoffs or not. That's where I'm at at this point. Because if they lose and then Calgary loses, I'm stuck watching a Calgary game next week that I don't want to care about. <laughs> so I would rather them win this game, Calgary lose, and then, okay, we're fine. I the the bye week is not going to be stressful, but it just I don't know the idea. Just... The idea of Calgary and Saskatchewan both lose this weekend, Ryder Nation has to cheer on a Winnipeg victory. That cannot happen. We cannot allow that to be a thing that we want to root for. That is just. That is the that is the limit. That I can't do that. I will root for Calgary to lose. I cannot cheer on Winnipeg to win. Oh. But I feel nothing for this game. I mean, we're talking about a team that has how many consecutive win and you're in game. This is another one. Because I don't see a situation where Calgary beats both BC and Winnipeg, especially when they're playing for their their season effectively. And we, so one win should do it. But I have no faith in this team in a win in your in game against anybody, let alone Toronto's backups. Just doesn't feel there. There's no optimism. There's no hope. There's no, it's just apathy is a great word for it. It's a sad feeling. It, it really is. Um, so question about the Argos is how much do you play your starters and they've been dealing with this for you know the final six weeks of the season to me this is a game that Chad Kelly should not play um just and and not just saying this because it gives the riders the best chance but logically from the Argo standpoint it makes no sense to play him this game because you played him probably a little bit too long last week I would give him this week off and have him play the first half of next week in the last game of the regular season. And then you still have the bye after that in, during the first week of the playoffs. And then you have the, the East final in Toronto. I don't think you want to give him next week off as well, uh, or instead of this week, because you'd be looking at four straight weeks where he wouldn't play uh, if he plays this week up until the East final. So logically to me, Chad Kelly should not play this game. Or at the very least, he's only playing like a quarter, a couple drives, maybe. Um, 
do you think we'll see Chad Kelly? And again, we record this after day one of practice. So, so we don't have all the, you know, information for the whole week. Um, how much of uh, Chad Kelly do we see? I to go back to our previous discussion about Sarge and their quarterback. He was in a he was in a game that he had no reason to play. The Hilltops had the game wrapped up against a team that was angry that they're going to miss the playoffs. And they were sending the house. They were playing for film. They were doing a bunch of stuff to make, make sure they're on team next year. And their quarterback took a bad shot to the ribs. Like I, if I'm Toronto, I am keeping his playing to a minimum this game and the game against the red blocks next week. Like I, you do like Dukes looks good, but I don't think he's as good as Chad Kelly. Well, look back to the 2013 Calgary Stampeders. They they rested or they didn't rest people going into the last week of the season, and their D line got demolished. And that if I'm Toronto, I don't think they need to stress too much about whoever comes out of the East. They are head and shoulders above every team in that division, and then some. I think they need to really take a look at keeping getting guys healthy, keeping them healthy and preparing for whoever comes out of the bloodbath that will be the Western final. If I'm Toronto, I'm not playing Kelly at all. Not today. I think he needs a couple of drives. Maybe you throw him in for two drives a game just to get just to get that game speed reps that uh, you won't get in practice. Give him a couple of drives, sit him down, and walk away. Just whatever it is, keep him healthy. He's, uh, he's the best chance we've got at uh, avoiding a a third Winnipeg Grey Cup in four years. And I really don't want to hear more of that dynasty crap. We need that to end. They need to lose another one. So I'm, I'm pro Toronto going into the playoffs. Um, so day one of practice for the riders, lots of DNPs on the injury report did not participate. Jackson Ford with a hamstring, Micah Johnson illness. There's something going around in the riders locker room over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Jeremy Clark, knee injury, TJ Brunson with a neck, uh, Christian Albright, hip injury, Jalen Moody, who just got his pro debut last week out with a knee injury, like that de- defense, the, there's some starters and there's, there's some depth there as well. Like I know it's just day one, but that's, that's a lot. And, and you're going up against the deepest team. That's, that's a bit worrisome to me. There's, there's not a lot of vet days in that group. Maybe Micah Johnson. Maybe. The rest of them are, are guys that, that would be out there if they could. That's a that's a scary group. You know, Jeremy Clark, Jackson Ford. Brunson has looked great every time he's he's been out there. I've liked him. I want him for next season. Christian Albright, same thing. He's been one of the few bright spots this year. You know, that's a lot of good young guys that are gonna be at practice if they're ready to if they're able to go. They're not getting vet days. So that's a, a huge concern. And then, of course, our entire kicking unit uh, is exactly what you want to see as well when our offense can't move the ball. You know, we, it's not like we need our punter, who should be our most outstanding player this year, which is sad. But yeah, tell me I'm wrong. He, he's been fantastic all year. I'm, I'm worried. And the, the part that worries me the most is Derek Moncrief is back. 
That's and it, I never thought I would say that. Assuming that he's playing halfback, yeah, that that would worry me as well. Just not what you want to see. I like seeing the healthy offense. I'd like to see an actual healthy offensive game, but there's no injuries there, so there's no excuses. And then, Steve, you mentioned the the kicking game, Brett Lother uh, illness. Adam Corsak was a non-football, um, not injury, but just non-football related. Um, so I'm assuming he'll suit up. If Brett Lother can't play this game, I mean, I'm not terribly upset about that just because Meskel was great last week. He, he, play, so he played well That's for, that, for being his first lights in the show. Yeah, he looked good. Um, who is it? Uh, Rob Henstone. Um, noted that uh, with his 13 points, four field goals, and an extra point, Meskel passed. Uh, he's now the all-time Riders' leading scorer for Aussie players, uh, passing uh, um, Bartel, but Josh Josh Bartel, yeah, who had uh, eight or ten points or whatever he had in his all in his Rider career, <laughs> all singles, right? <laughs> uh, that was yeah. That's why they hired Rob Vanstone is for little tidbits like that. Just little nuggets of information. Uh, I'm just a fan of the all of the all Aussie uh, kicking unit. That's that's working well. I'd like to see that more. Um, I don't know what to expect this game because Toronto, even if they're playing the backups, I mean, their backups are better than a lot of team starters. They're, they're such a deep team. They, they can rotate tons of guys in and, and, not miss anything so uh for the riders sake hopefully uh i'm sure they'll get aj let this week because he didn't play last week so i'm sure uh i'm sure toronto is going to run the ball a lot which take the over on rushing yards yeah it's a a good thing we don't have any issues stopping the run (laughs) although they actually did really well against uh kadeem carey uh he got nothing going although they didn't really give him an opportunity in the first half anyway um which was really weird um by the stamps but um okay well let's let's get to our picks for this game or for sorry for this uh, for this week um the first one is a game we're all interested in and it's calgary at bc and i'm assuming bc's probably like an eight and a half or a nine and oh look at that right off the bat now let him finish Nope. We half if he jumped it. I got, the bu- I got the buttons. I got the ones and twos going today. Uh, I'm going to say BC by eight and a half. That seems like a good guess. It is. It's BC eight and a half over under 49 and a half. Uh, I pray to God BC puts the foot on the pedal and takes it through. I mean, they're still playing for first place. They could stay technically can still get first. They have to win out and have Winnipeg lose out. Not likely to happen, but you have the first game this week. You have to try if you're BC, right? So, yeah, you're playing everybody. Although the the little injury scare to Vernon Adams has got to be a little bit worrisome. But Dane Evans is, I mean, very capable, very very capable, especially against a you know a crappy Calgary team. So yeah, give me BC to cover, and give me the over on that. And most of them for BC. Yeah, give me give me BC and the points. That's uh, there. There's. A good team doesn't lose to Calgary.
um, Toronto at Saskatchewan. <laughs> I'm guessing Toronto by... Oh, kind of want to say double digits, but without knowing what Chad Kelly's situation is, <laughs> I don't know, six and a half? I, I'm going to go nine and a half. Are you guys peeking? Steve. <laughs> no. I, I, I got Alex right off the hop. Oh, the last one. Yeah, That's no, true. It's nine and a half over under of uh, 15 and a half. It was, it was mostly because I didn't want to see the double digits that, that just, I can't predict double digits against my own team. I can in the actual score, but it's not in the pick. I can't do it. They, they need to win. This is, this is the must win of a must win. Like this is their last legit last chance. <laughs> The funny thing about this is after Tuesday's day one practice, Craig Dickinson, I made the mistake of watching his six-minute presser, and he said there's no more pressure on this game than any game in the last month. Um, yeah, oh, literally all the pressure is on you guys <sighs> to force Calgary to win out. You have to win this. And that coach talk right there tells me I was going to pick Toronto anyway, but this just cements it. There's no way the Riders win this game. There's absolutely no way. They've given me nothing to go off of over the last six, well, five and a half games. The first half last week up until the you know final two minutes. Um, yeah, Tor- I don't care who's quarterback for Toronto. They're gonna, they should be able to wipe the floor with the Riders. This should not be a close game. You want to see a team with no pressure? Look at the other sidelines. Team that has had first locked up in the East since you know, week three, that's a team with no pressure. You're playing for your season lives. This, this is it. This, there are no opportunity. You have no more control than you will for those 60 minutes. And to say there's no pressure is just one last, like you said, nail in the coffin. That's, uh, that's neither here nor there. We'll spend the off season talking about the former head coach. Um, I'm going to go. And this is because I will not be there. I swear the Riders are practically undefeated when I'm not in the building. So I'm going to say the Riders squeak out a one and a half point victory. Well, I guess a two point victory. I can't really score one and a half. Riders by two. I'm going full Steve. I'm calling it a tie. <laughs> I, ref- I refuse to pick a winner on this one because <laughs> a tie would I, be enough. A tie would be enough. And I don't trust this team enough to win. So I'm calling it a tie. <laughs> All right, and the final game of the week, because there's only three this week and three next week, um, Edmonton at Winnipeg. Um, Winnipeg by 11 and a half. Ooh. Damn, I was going to say seven and a half. Jesus. Yo, I nailed these tonight. Wow. And the over-under uh, is 50 and a half. Yeah, Winnipeg's going to crush them. They have to win this game to clinch first, right? So, yeah, they'll win. Winnipeg's going to win, but I... They'll cover. I, They'll I, cover. I don't think they're going to cover. I think Edmonton will cover. I think Edmonton, uh, I Winnipeg will, will win, but they're not, not going to cover. I think it's going to be maybe a touchdown, but it won't, it won't be two scores. I, I'm going to say Edmonton wins, and I have no idea why. There's no legitimate reason why Edmonton should win this football game. I just, I have a feeling. I'm going full underdogs this week, except Calgary. Screw them. 
I'll never go underdogs. I'll never I'll never cheer on a Calgary victory ever. Well, it's I don't know. They can, the Riders can still make the playoffs by not winning. So, uh, and it's still likely when you look at what Calgary has at BC and then against Winnipeg. Like it's it's still likely that Winnipeg, even if they play their backups in that final game, still beat the Stamps. If if I'm Michael Shea, I'm just kneeling the whole game. <laughs> and they still might beat the sta- beat the Stamps in that game too, just by kneeling the ball. Yeah, I can I picture don't know. it. This is just <laughs> CFL at its absolute dumbest finest is what this season <laughs> is. Like, it's just, this has been such a wacky year. And the fact that a team can lose seven straight to end the season and still make the playoffs is a very CFL thing. <laughs> and the fact that it's still likely to happen just blows my mind. And then go on so. to win the Grey Cup so we don't have to listen to about the 2011 BC Lions anymore. Yeah. <laughs> no, that would have only happened if uh, the 0 and 9 Edmonton Elks somehow squeaked it. The fact that the 0 and 9 Elks went on a, a quick winning streak and somehow got themselves back into the playoff, nothing or playoff contention is peak CFL ridiculousness for me. Possibly finish this, one game back. <laughs> this whole season is an absolute gong show. And I just, I can't wait for it to be over so we can watch good teams play in the playoffs. Well, and not the West Semi. Yeah, yeah five teams make the play, play in, in the playoffs. Um, you know what? Yeah. Everybody in the East looks good. Hamilton looks like they've turned the corner. Montreal looks solid. Toronto is They're all peaking. Toronto. They're all peaking. Right? Yeah. Except whichever one of like us the bubbles in the West Semi. The West has like three teams below 500. Ham- Hamilton can still get to a 500 here. Like it's ridiculous. And with the way they started, didn't think that was going to happen. No. Oh, well, uh, enjoy the game on the weekend. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I'm excited because I'm sitting with coach Phil this game. He's coming in from, oh, nice. uh, <laughs> from Washington state to, uh, to come to this game so i'm looking forward to that it should be I, I, should be fun. i don't know if i'd be i i'd barely want to drive across the city i can't imagine flying in from washington state for this one but hey kudos man kudos respect for the the travel absolutely well that'll do it for us this week here on the piffles podcast of course uh piffles podcast is brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks, as always, to Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support making the show possible. Uh, thanks to everyone listening on your favorite podcast platform, watching on YouTube, and watching on Sastel Max. Um, seem to be growing on Sastel Max. That's uh, that's pretty cool. So thanks, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show and uh, continue to keep on coming back. This is Ghost Behind Your Mind by Tyler Gilbert.